Hello, wonderful friends. Hello, Seven Days listeners. You fantastic people. Yeah, they're great people. Avid listeners. We've got Avid. a lot of them, which is great. Hey, um, we have probably a very, a very good episode yeah, coming ahead. It I is. was going to say probably and then t- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. But um, this impacted me greatly, mm-hmm. I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, and... What we want to do is, before it starts, we just wanted to reach out and kind of give a bit of a trigger warning to people. Yeah. Um, we cover some uh, pretty traumatic events yeah. in this uh, episode, uh, and we're well aware that maybe today's not the day that you want to hear about these traumatic events. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'll give you a warning. Uh, it is super impactful, um, and look, it is still very Jesus-focused. So yeah. Don't, don't, be, don't be too wary there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it does cover some traumatic events um, that could trigger some stuff for you. So Yeah, and if you do have a listen and, you know, it's brought up some things for you, we just encourage you to reach out to someone. Like, you're more than welcome to reach out to us, but or reach out to your local spiritual leader or, or even professional uh, people if you need that as well, if, if that's what's going to be helpful for you. But it is a really good episode. Don't hear yeah. us wrong. It's fantastic yeah. and it's powerful. But yeah, we just wanted to give you a bit of a heads up in case it's not something that's going to be helpful for you today. Well put, shush. Thanks, Dan. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Very good. It was very good. And behold, hello. It was very hello. good. Hello. Hello, hello Shush. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dan? Oh, look, I'm great. I'm great. I'm ready to go. I'm really excited about this episode. It's gonna be a good one. I've got to say, I don't, I don't know a lot about the people that we're going to talk to, but that excites me. Uh, but you know what? By the end of this episode. You'll know so much more. I know. I'm so excited. All right. (laughs) Without further ado, I am Dan. I'm Shush. And today we have... Lynn and and Ken. Yay! Lynn and Ken. (laughs) Welcome, Lynn and Ken. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. My pleasure. Our pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) So where, where are you joining us from? Well, I'm, we're coming in from Yapoon, Central, Central Queensland. And uh, so a long way from anywhere. If no one knows it, it's a lovely little beachside community um, sitting right on the Tropic of Capricorn with some wonderful beaches and wonderful places and wonderful people to talk to. So we're really blessed to be living in this spot. Wow. Sounds, Sounds... like a horrible place to live, doesn't <laughs> oh, it? Oh, it's terrible. Don't come. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it oh. sounds delightful. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> okay, now, Lynn and Ken, we like to start off every single podcast with a thing called the Fast Five. Now, these are basically five silly questions that we just get to know some, some things about you guys, all right? Are you willing to participate? Yes. It's a Fast Five, it's a Fast Five, it's a Fast Five. It's a fast five, it's a fast five. Now, the, I'm going to ask you the simplest question ever, but this is probably, uh, uh, the answer will be a bit more in depth because of what you do. But 
without sounding silly. Anyway, what <laughs> is your favourite colour? Now, um, just, we'll answer that first and I'll explain why. It is Viridian. Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> I knew it. I knew this would be a great question. All right, that was yes, amazing. <laughs> what colour? I don't even know what that colour is. Can you give us a... <laughs> Viridian is like a turquoise green. <gasps> turquoise is my favourite colour. Yes. I'm going to maybe Viridian. Is that how you say Viridian, it? Viridian with a V. Viridian. This might be my new favourite colour coming out yeah, of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Ken, what's your favourite? My boring answer is red. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so, so good. <laughs> Lynn, oh, well, the reason I asked that very simple, very basic question is because Lynn's an artist and we got mm-hmm. a great answer out of her. So I'd like to pat myself on the back for that one. <laughs> but uh, over, over to Shush for the next one. Good work, Dan. <laughs> very good. Um, my question is, what is your favourite restaurant? Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> um, oh, oh, my own. Or do you? If you don't have a favourite restaurant, that's okay. But we do. Do you? No, we do. It's probably more coffee shops than restaurants. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. We'll take coffee shop. What's your favourite coffee shop? Uh, for me, it's two professors in Rocky. Um, mm. They've got the best coffee in CQ that I've come across, and. Uh, Every so often I bring home a kilo bag of beans so that I can keep myself <laughs> regularly in stock. Beautiful. <laughs> and, and for me, it's Lua, which is a little cafe down in Yapoon. And the reason being is that you can order there, pick up your food and then walk across the road to sit on the beachfront to eat it. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. The experience again, of yes. it. Again, this place sounds horrible. Yeah, <laughs> 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 All right, your next one. We've got a lot of favourites today because mine's okay. another favourite question. Another. Favourite day of the week and why? Sunday. Mm. Sunday. Oh. Straight in. Because Sunday is the day I go to church and it's so exciting to go to church. You cannot believe I spend my, a lot of my time away from home teaching and when I get home I just can't wait for Sunday to get in there and <laughs> yeah. I go in yeah, and I go yeah. into church and I say hey it's Sunday everyone and they look at me like it's Sunday aren't you excited <laughs> <laughs> so good uh, it's a little harder for me because since I've retired it all sort of blurs um, <laughs> but probably Friday because uh, we have a disabled son and he's busy from nine o'clock till three o'clock on a Friday and that's our that's our peace and quiet day <laughs> he, he's not yes. he's not high maintenance but he is continual maintenance mm. <laughs> yes yes very good very good okay next question how many houses have you lived in oh, oh. 17. 17 I'm not going to answer wow. different because no, he sorry knows. sorry 11 11. Yes. been a few. <laughs> yeah, it's 11 or 12. Sorry, we, yeah. Um, we've been married for 41 years. We spent 25 of those in one house. Yeah, right. Yeah. And this one we've been in for two. So we did a two lot years, of moving. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was wow. going to say, you knew, you knew that quite quickly, Ken. Straight like, away. Like you were yeah. talking about it an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> It comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, at one uh, point when we were shifting a lot, the, the number was fairly fresh in my head. 
Yes. yes. And it yes. was certainly fresh in mind because I really didn't appreciate it all that much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's not the funnest thing. Look, no. I'm an officer's kid. I've moved a lot and it's not fun. Um, all right. I have, a, I have a special question. All right. Mm. So this has been sent in by John from Victoria. Oh. So he has, he has stated... I have been an avid listener for seven days. So Another he's an avid, avid listener? <laughs> he's what? an avid listener. His question is, if you had to choose between the superpower of flying or being invisible at any point of your choosing, what would you choose? Ooh. Good question. Oh. Tempting. Mm. Oh. I'd like to fly because I could find something to hide behind. Ah, <laughs> I like the logic oh, in that. That's true. And I think I'd like to fly because I'm very good at being invisible all by myself. Ah, that is a skill. That is a skill. Uh, to I'm not good at being of... invisible. <laughs> <laughs> or inaudible either. <laughs> oh, oh, well done. Well, that's the fast five over. You guys survived. Very good. Right. Well done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Ken's wiped his brow. It's a first five. It's a first five. Before we really get into it, we'd love to hear a little bit um, about your background, really. So as Dan already mentioned, uh, Lynn, you're an artist. Yeah. Um, and a very good one at that, I will add. I've <laughs> seen some of your work and they're beautiful. They're incredible. Um, anyway, so we'd love to hear a little bit of an overview about um, how you got, how you have got to where you are now in terms of um, art and your um, profession and all that sort of thing. But also, I guess your faith as well. And and when did you come to know Jesus? And and how has that been? So, are you able to give us a bit of a rough overview yep. of those Absolute, two aspects? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I having been born in Yapoon, and I I grew up in a family heritage with a family heritage of artists and craftspeople. So, mm. I only ever wanted to be an artist, like great great Aunt Elsie. And and I used to stand in front of her work, and she was a um, a single lady who, well, a postmistress down in Howard, a little place to the south, and um, but she was quite good for a, as an artist um, for an untrained, you know, someone who was untrained. But I would stand in front of her her works and I'd say, I'm going to be an artist, like great great Aunt <laughs> Elsie one day, and so that's all I ever set out to be. And I and um, I fleetingly thought of being a um, an archaeologist, but. Then I realised it was really only the fact that I wanted to dig in the dirt, so I became a gardener instead. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I set out to be an artist. And I was, um, I was painting in oils, using oil paints, in primary school. And I sold my first painting when I was 12 years old. And, uh, and uh, then, I, uh, then I went off to art college and hated it and left. Because... <laughs> Because they were not going to teach me how to paint at that stage. It was a different era of, you know, express yourself and do whatever right. you feel like. And I wanted to learn to paint. And the only thing I ever regret, my mum once asked me, because she was an educator, a teacher, she once asked me, Lynn, do you ever regret not getting a degree? Because everyone else in the family got a degree. And I said, no, mum, I don't regret that. Or what I regret is not knowing about the Florence Academy of Art or something like that, where, you, where they trained you how to paint proper. 
Classically, <laughs> Classically. I think, is the word. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, um, so then I was, we got married and I was only not quite 20. We're still close, married, close. 40, 42, 41, <laughs> 41 years later. Um, and so I, I painted uh, infrequently for probably the first five years of our marriage. And then uh, uh, we had our first child. We had two sons, a, um, uh, Adam, who's a maths physics teacher at the local boys' school, who's mathematically gifted like his dad, and uh, Kyle, who's intellectually impaired. And so, and, and so having the two of those together, now that was mighty interesting. Anyway, um, <laughs> it still, <laughs> well, still is, yeah. When the kids came along, I thought, right, you're asleep, I'm going to get back into my painting. And then I'd just paint and paint and paint. And then uh, as they got older, I'd just start painting at night, all night long. And then I'd, and I'd keep on painting and painting. And I, and I was basically self-taught, apart from uh, in later years, going off to do a few workshops. But they were workshops with people who were incredibly um, good in their field, prominent. I had the opportunity, um, and, and this all being said, we strongly believed, we, both of us, strongly believed that this was what I should be doing, that this was God's calling and God's plan. And as I've, as I've grown as an artist as, and as a person of faith, um, I've come to understand it more and more that this is what God has made me to be. And that is to be an artist. And this is the platform that he's given me in the world, um, both as an artist and as a tutor. And it's amazing the opportunities that he's opened up for me across the world to speak of my faith through my painting. Um, and, and my painting itself is my worship. So when I go to the studio, it's like my sanctuary and I go to meet with God. I meet with God everywhere. But in particular, this is my set aside place to come aside and worship God through every brush stroke, through every little nuance of colour. And it's amazing how, you know, I can be dancing around the studio. Oh, praise God, praise God. Oh, this is so exciting. La, 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 la. It's not anyway. fun to walk in on. <laughs> and I can be jigging around and jiving and all the rest of it. Um, but very, very important that this is my sanctuary. Um, as, I, as I grew, as, as, as we grew um, in that in that area of, of painting, I got the opportunity. Now, this is a, definitely a God moment. Uh, the opportunity to go and work with a fellow called um, Daniel E. Green, who has since died this year. And um, but he was one of the elder statesmen of the portrait world, and I'm, one of my favourite genre, as, uh, absolutely my favourite genre, is portraiture. And uh, and uh, so. I uh, had, as a, a younger woman, been getting out this book out of the Yapoon Town Library about Mr Green and his work was in there and I used to get it out just about every week, you know. And, and, and then I saw uh, the first issue of uh, International Pastel magazine came out and uh, the book I'd been reading was so old that I actually thought he was dead at that time. That was 1999, but he wasn't. <laughs> anyway, there's, there's, the, there's one of his, his most beautiful paintings, one of my favourite paintings of his on the front cover of this magazine. And I, and I, and I said, oh, I said to myself, oh, he's alive, he's alive. And so I rang him up. <laughs> wow. I just thought, oh, nothing ventured, nothing. I rang him up. 
And I said, do you teach by correspondence? <laughs> and he said, no. <laughs> but I had people coming to my studio in the summer from all over the world to do three weeks of workshops with me. And I thought, oh, well, that's not me. You know, but kids were little. I can't, I can't do that. Can't afford to do it. Um, Ken comes home and he says, the next day he says, I think you should do that. And I said, do you? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and he said, you only, need, you only need one more decent sale and you've got enough to get yourself to the States. I can put up, I, I can, no, put up, I can. No, put up, I can, put up is right. <laughs> <laughs> I can survive, I can survive for two weeks without you. Remembering that we have a disabled son who, you know, yeah, constant, constant work. Um, Carl, Carl is um, uniquely made, uniquely made and masterfully made, actually. Um, and as, as are all children, as is Adam. But um, so, and then the very next day after Ken said, oh, I think you should go, I got a call from the local mayor. And she was going as Australian government representative to Singapore to the armed forces. Um, and she wanted to take gifts and she wanted to take paintings. And so she commissioned me for four paintings, two large oils and two watercolours. At that time I was doing watercolour too. And at that time also I used to take up to six months to do a piece of work. I had three weeks in which to do this. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I said, right, uh, well, I can, by the grace of God, we can do this. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Hang on, I've got to get this back. Who in needs my ear. sleep? Who needs sleep? And so, um, so for three weeks, I literally worked 18 hour days for three solid weeks, and I got the work finished by the grace of God. And then I went off down to Shire Council Chambers to talk with uh, the local journos and Mayor Barbara and uh, the journalist said, oh, Mayor Barbara, um, how many paintings are you taking? And she says, oh, it's six, isn't it, Lynn? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't bat an eyelid because I was, my eyes were so tight anyway, I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I said, oh, well, you commissioned me for four. I'm sure I can find two more. And then I had a and I found in my archives two that I thought were good enough, and therefore off they went. Had enough money to get myself to the states and study for two weeks with Daniel Green, which was absolutely revolutionary, and mm. it set me on the path to. Um, first of all, I guess you know I always I I I believed that this was my purpose at this stage. This was 1999. Um, this was my purpose, yes, but I didn't feel equipped for it. And so by going to Daniel Green, uh, it gave me both the, uh, the beginning of knowledge, the launching pad of knowledge, to then be able to work hard, take those things home, and then start being able to um, express uh, what I, I wanted to say and what I believed I should be doing as well. Um, now, is, have we still got time? Yeah, okay. yeah <laughs> keep going. Go, go, and, and that is, can be, has continued to be the way all through my life, that God has provided opportunities that I have taken. Um, I've, never dis, I've never thought I can't do it. 
or I'm not good enough or whatever. I've just believed that God would provide. Uh, he would provide both for me um, physically, with lack of sleep. He certainly provided in, for me my husband, who has been incredibly supportive of what I do. Um, and hopefully I've been supportive enough of him. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, God's provision has been perfect in every way all the way through our lives. And we have many stories where he's provided above and beyond um, mm. when we've reached the absolute depths of despair and he, uh, and with our family, which we may talk about later. Um, but uh, as far as coming to faith, um, I, also, I, I also had a family heritage of... Um, ministers of the word mm -hmm. and uh you know and within my own immediate family um my brother and my older sister uh, my second older sister are both ministers in the uniting church mm. now at one stage i felt i had a calling uh but i got married and ken didn't have that calling so <laughs> so obviously god wanted a different platform for both of us um and i feel in actual fact you know that that um in the painting world, who, who else but a, an artist can minister to those people in that, in that world? Um, and so that's given just a wonderful platform. You know, we are, we are all ministers of God's grace and, and um, regardless of where we are or who we are or what we do. Now, yeah. uh, so that, um, in saying that uh, I had a family heritage of um, people of great faith, um, my mum and her mum before her and her mother before that were great prayers. They were prayer warriors and um, they instilled that certainly um, in me. I feel that that is one of the areas um, that God has blessed me in. Um, and my great-great-grandmother died kneeling at the side of her bed praying, so, wow. which is just amazing, just amazing. Um, and I felt, I felt very strongly God's pull on my heart from a very early age. Um, of course, I did all the usual things that teenagers do and uh, <laughs> went all over the place and, you know, learnt lessons and all the rest of it. Um, but I did have a, a, a very strong knowledge of God, God's hand on my um, shoulder and, a, and his arms around me. So much so that we had a minister in Yapoon, a very elderly minister, and uh, in my, my home church, and that w which was the Uniting Church. And um, he was just great with the youngsters, you know, with the teenagers. And, uh, and so he, we, we'd go to youth group. There was about a bunch of five of us. And, and he said, uh, he asked us to, invited us to take a service and, uh, in the church, as, as you do, you know, as kids get to do. And, uh, and, uh, and I was the one to preach. And I sat there in the seat, I can distinctly remember, sitting in the pew, and I just couldn't sit still. I was so excited about speaking about God, you know? And my friend looked at me and she said, what is wrong with you? I said, I'm getting to talk about God. Isn't that just the most astounding amazing thing and uh, and so you know and then I went off to Al what a place called Elkhorn College which was a residential lay training uh, lay ministers training college uh, but you could stay there while you went off and studied that's where I met Ken yeah. 
and uh, and uh, and we did things like we could we had to do one one um, subject subject. I did practical preaching, so <laughs> so that that was all a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so this is definitely not what I thought a path we would go down. However, I do want to mention it because it's so clear to me in the way you're speaking is. I think sometimes for people who are creative, who have uh, made kind of, I guess, a profession out of their art or whatever art that is, it's actually really hard on the family as a general Mm. unit. But what I'm hearing from you guys is how supportive and in unison you are as a couple. And I kind of, I'm just, oh, look, I could be barking up the wrong tree here, but that's what you're projecting and I love it. I think so Ken I guess should like, answer this. So uh, I, was like, I was like, even when you were mentioning before, like we made the decision. Mm. Like like it wasn't, this is your art and Ken's doing his thing mm-hmm. and you're just trying to make it work. It's actually, we're intentionally chasing this together for God's kingdom. And so I'm just wondering if you could kind of speak to that because there's probably creatives who are yeah, listening who are either already married or... They're young, young adults who want to get married, but they just are like, oh, if they're not into music and I am, how does that work? You know, like, can, yeah, speak to that for okay, us. Okay, so, so I might take this one. So <laughs> my short answer is it's only taken 41 years of marriage and a global <laughs> pandemic for our skill sets to overlap and work well together. <laughs> <laughs> but, but... In the interim... Um, so <laughs> I, I think, think one of the other things that creatives struggle with and one of the things Lynn certainly struggled with it, is this a worthwhile thing? Mm. I, should, I could go and make more money stacking shells at night at yeah. Woolies. Well, it wasn't about money. Really. Yeah, but, but yeah. You, mm. and it's not a valid thing. It's not real. Yeah. Um, I can't be used here. And later on the conversation might... Get through, get to some of the critical stuff that's that's happened in our time together, but suffice to say, we've been through a fair bit, and some of it's horrible. A, a lot of people take up art because they've been through something that's awful, and they're told to do something creative to try and get another focus. Mm. And because of what we've been through, and because of who she is, really, because. She, this is an amazing lady. She's not just artistically talented. She's the common sense of about three generations of our family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all there. <laughs> um, she's able to encourage, mentor, enthuse. Um, there's another word I'm looking for here. Validate. En- enjoy people. <laughs> and, and empower uh, people who go to her workshops and um, get them up and running as, as whole people, not, not just artists. So yeah. um, we, we've been, I think you probably would have spent 15 years of our marriage at least not really thinking art was a worthwhile, entirely well, it was, worthwhile. It was, it was actually more, more that I didn't think it was a worthwhile thing for God's kingdom either. Um, you know, like, like, shouldn't I go and be a minister of the word? Shouldn't I, yeah. shouldn't I go off to, well, at that time, you know, I became a, a salvationist and it was a, 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 a very, very strong calling. And it was after we were married. I, I didn't do it just because we were married. Um, but God called me to the army. No two ways about it. 
and mm. uh, and then there was a time there was a time recently for how many years that we've been out of the army probably 25 um, because we shifted to your back to into Yapoon and the army was in rocky and uh, and so uh, Ken had been driving, you know, drive up and down every day to work, and one day for cricket, and he decided for our son. Yeah, he decided to, you know, like let's just stay. Yeah, if you've got the smarts to live at the beach, you should live at the beach one day a week. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> Basically, yes, what it came down yeah. to. <laughs> but anyway, it it just uh, it just so happens that um, over COVID we've come back to the army. And I am so thrilled my every Sunday, every Sunday, I just can't wait to get to church. <laughs> I love that. I, I love the joy. Yeah, it's your favourite day. It's great. Uh, can't wait to get to church. Um, but, uh, now, what was I saying? What were we talking about? Uh, oh, yes. Unit. Yeah, and, and, and the business of not thinking it was valid... Uh, you know, that it was God's mm. calling. It was just something that I could do that I could make money out of, perhaps, and that wasn't a good enough reason for me. Um, mm. I really believed that it had to be God's purpose uh, and it had to be purposeful mm. because otherwise I would not be sustained and, and I would not survive the rigours of what's necessary. Um, yep. So, yeah. Wow. I, wow, wow, wow. There's so much to unpack. Yes. And it's fantastic. Um, just quickly before we, I'm sure we're going to unpack it a little bit more, but what changed? You talked about how you didn't think art was a worthwhile, you know, expression of God's kingdom and a way to minister. I have to find What something. changed that? Uh, I, ha- I have thinking. to find something. Take your okay. headphones Please out. Do. Hang on. Go for it. <laughs> you can keep talking. I don't know what she's finding. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yep. If you can't find it, get some IT and hit search. Here we go. <laughs> Here we are. And and this, uh, yeah, Pope John Paul the the second letter to all the artists of the world. I don't know what year it was done, but for anyone who wants to read the whole letter, um, they could certainly find it. Um, but the, here, this is the particular uh, couple of sentences that really influenced me. And uh, he said, John Paul exhorted, artists of the world, may our many paths all lead to that infinite ocean of beauty where wonder becomes awe, exhilaration, unspeakable joy. May your art help to affirm true beauty, which as, as a glimmer of the spirit of God will transfigure matter, opening the soul to the sense of the eternal. Mm. Oh. Oh. I get the feeling he was the Pope for a reason. I think <laughs> so. And so what I've said in my letters after here, uh, it says, um, this released me to be who I was made to be and mm. a, determin- a determination in that knowledge to enable others to make the same discovery. So, mm. yeah. Wow. So it was worth finding. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And we I'm, we might actually try and find that letter and we'll put it in the in the show notes. People can read through the whole thing. I yeah. think I've found it and it's pretty long, isn't it? Yeah, so it is pretty long. Let's put that in the notes. People can people can read it. Yeah, go check it out, everyone listening. People. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. And I, I look, I don't I don't want to hastily move on from anything, but 
You, well, there's been this underlying mention a few times of we've, we've been through some hard things. Yeah. We've, we've persevered through things. There's been a journey there. Um, and we've touched on how amazing, look, I, I can't speak because I don't know you guys that well, but from the outside, your relationship looks amazing. There's a lot of humility there. <laughs> You're there for each other. I love it. Yeah. Um, but do you mind kind of talking us through that journey a little bit? Um because I think that's an important uh, message that people need to hear. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys, but do, Ab- do your thing. Absolutely. Look, um, we, we have walked through uh, many dark places, and these are the things that have rounded us and grounded us and uh, made us realise who God is. Can I just and, say something first? And Ken might say... So, might. so one of the mm-hmm. things... And, and it's initially about our, our son, Kyle, and um, at, at that time, that was pretty life-shattering um, to discover that uh, I've always been able to pick things up. Um, you know, went, went through school not having to work uh, and got really high marks. Went through uni not doing anything, passed. <laughs> um, yep. And... When our second boy was born, uh, we were still in Brisbane then, and he was a gorgeous little kid, uh, silver blonde hair, and if he played up during the meetings, uh, because at that stage I wasn't playing in the band because we had two young kids, um, I'd take him for a walk and Japanese tourists would take photographs of him because he was so cute. (laughs) The blonde-haired, blue-eyed, yeah, yeah. He's not blue-eyed now and he's bald and bearded now. (laughs) And what hair he's got is brown. but at one stage, a friend took a photo and I, I looked at it and I said, oh, it looks like the lights are on, but there's no one home. Mm. Um, and that was really the first indication. Our, our first son was a motor mouth. That would be me. Um, <laughs> and it's not unusual for the second child to not be able to get a word in. Um, and then we had, what, about three years going through trying to discover what was going on Uh, and so eventually after lots of scarring things um, we discovered that he had a genetic abnormality there's lots of things that he could have had clam hands webbed toes other sorts of things it's a very non-deterministic thing but um, the intellectual impairment over range is a given Um, and and then I was given an IQ score and I spent hours in bed trying not to get out of bed to look up where he would sit on a normal distribution um, because I still had the old stats books around the place and eventually it got too much for me and I think the, well, the number that sticks in my said is the bottom five in 10,000. And that shook me to the core. Whereas for me, um, and I, th- I guess you grieved for your son, didn't you, until he was about 20 years old, mm. um, before Ken came to the conclusion that Kyle, uh, and, which was a conclusion that I always had, was that Kyle was purposefully and perfectly made. Mm. Um, 
and he was there to teach us lessons. And Ken, Ken went and did a, a um, presentation somewhere along the line. Yeah, uh, because at that stage I was working in a uni uh, and um, it was the Australian Scholastic Study of Intellectual Disability in 1995. Um, and I guess for me, and so Kyle was only eight years old then and I was still learning and still coming to grips with it. But for me, uh, I, I, what, what I tend to say and sum it up is God's used Kyle to knock a lot of the rough edges off me, but mm. there are times I wish he'd used sandpaper rather than a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that, that's been Ken's journey a lot, although um, since he's been retired, he's taken over the primary carer role from me so that I can then go off and blah, 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 blah. Um, now, when Kyle was little, let me take back, a, a, he would have been about four, I guess, and um, we were down in the playground at Adam's uh, preschool and writing a recipe book, you know, as mothers do, uh, parents do, to raise funds for the pre preschool. And uh, Kyle was sitting out in the playground and I looked up and, and he's sitting there. He was a non-verbal, basically. You, he did, you didn't understand what he was saying. Yeah, we would count. That's yeah. two words together. That's three words together. That's I, four. I, I figured that he was speaking in tongues, so it didn't matter. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I looked out at him and he's standing there and he's, and he's rubbing his hip and he's saying, Oh, sore, sore. And you knew if Kyle said something, it was really, really sore. Yeah. So yeah. I grabbed him off the swing and I took, it, took him inside and I sat him on, oh, there goes my ears again, sat him <laughs> on a, um, a chair and went back to writing this recipe book and then Kyle fainted off the chair. I thought, oh, dear, <laughs> I think we'd better go to the doctor. <laughs> 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 so, so off we went to the doctor and the doctor looked at him and he, sa he says, oh, given the symptoms, I think you better go off to an orthopaedic surgeon because I think he's got a septic hip, which would have meant the loss of the use of his leg and the lack of growth in that leg. And uh, this was just, <sighs> blow your mind. Um, and because a whole, a whole host of things going on, oh God, you've given me this child to look after and I can't even look after him, la, 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 la. Anyway, off to hospital we went. He had the, and just a funny story, this little child of four years old, non-verbal, you know, and they have to do the prep for a major operation. He's got his little hands all bandaged up and he's wandering around. Of course, he's been starved. Fasting. And he's <laughs> fasting. He's wandering around. He says, hungry. Oh, meat pie. <laughs> Tea now. Tea now. <laughs> anyway, so the result of it was that they did an aspiration of the hip, which was a great big needle stuck through the hip. And um, it turned out that it was an irritable hip, which was just an infection that could be dealt with antibiotics, blah, blah, blah. By this stage, though, um, because I was at the hospital, obviously, with Kyle, and by this stage, I had got to a point where I could not even pray. I could not even pray. I was so distraught that Kyle, uh, that we were in this position. Um, then, Ken had been on a, 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 um, 
an international chat, uh, Christian chat platform thing. And for, uh, for those who remember, who was old as me, it was a um, a uh, oh, what do we call them? Uh, <laughs> You're too old now. <laughs> too old now. Um, it was a, a listserv thing that was also on a um, a, a chat platform but anyway. anyway yeah it was a christian group now a lady uh, on that group contacted ken and she said i don't know what's happening over there um but god woke me at midnight to pray for you guys and uh, that was the most overwhelmingly um amazing thing that could have been given to me that God loved me so much that he woke someone on the other side of the world to pray for me? Yeah. You know, it doesn't that blow your mind. It just, yeah. that God would care for us so much that he will wake basically a stranger and say, you gotta, you got to pray. you got to pray for these people, you know, that you've been on the chat room with and blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and she herself said, I am not a prayer warrior. But the calling was so strong, I could not ignore it. Wow. So, yeah. So there, wow. there, there was uh, one point. Now, as Kyle travelled, uh, continued to grow and, and, and constant, you know, he was always doing something for the first five or six years of his life. There were major traumas, major dramas. He nearly lost his sight of in, in his eye. He nearly da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But anyway... He continued to grow. Um, Adam, Adam uh, continued to grow. They loved each other, the, and these boys still do, which is wonderful. Uh, incredibly supportive of each other. When they're not uh, niggling. When, when they're not niggling. Yeah. I don't know where they <laughs> get that from either. That's part of being brothers. That's part of being brothers, and they love each other dearly. Um, but I, I'm one who has dreams, and um, dreams and visions and things like that. And... Uh, and and, you know, and, and some dreams you just know that they're not of God, they're just rubbish. But there are, <laughs> but there are other dreams that you know, without a doubt, they are um, seriously from God. Yeah. I had a dream and, um, the, and we, a, a huge wind, a big storm came and hit our house. And the, and the house was shaken and shook and twisted and turned and rocked and rolled. And I stood up and I said, in the name of Jesus, be still. Peace, be still. And it settled down. I thought, oh, that was good. <laughs> it works, it works, you know. Anyway, the wind came back stronger than before and Kyle was sucked out of the window. And I woke yelling, no, you cannot have him. Because I thought that Kyle was going to die. And, uh, and it took me about a week because I'd had dreams of, you know, preparations for death of people previously. And it took me about a week before I could even tell Ken because I didn't want to even voice that. Um, I didn't want to tell our Bible study group. I didn't want to voice it. Just in, it was just so horrendously real. And then I heard the gentle voice of God saying to me, Lynn, don't you realise that I can look after Kyle better than you? <laughs> Hand him to me. Hand him to me. He's my child first. 
and I can look after his needs so much more than you. Release him for me. And so that's what I had to do. Two, about a week later, our granddaughter Bella died at seven weeks. And, uh, and so that preparation in many ways was very pertinent for me. The story with Bella was that she, uh, our daughter-in-law and son, Adam, had Bella. Jenny was never expected to have children. She'd had Crohn's disease and endometriosis as a youngster. And so, you know, the likelihood of her falling pregnant was pretty slim. Along came Bella, beautiful Bella. And uh, we were actually in New Zealand when, um, when the news came through that Bella had been born. And uh, I didn't meet her until she was four yeah. weeks old. Four weeks three, old, three, three or four three. weeks old, anyway. Um, and because the, the pair of them, Jenny was never able to work, Adam was at that stage um, only just has started into teaching, yeah. And uh, so not a good income. Uh, they had two dogs, two cats, couldn't afford to rent a sensible property. The property that they rented, um, I was certainly very concerned about because the steps were rotten, the um, decks were rotten. And we'd said to them when they went in there, you just be careful of that, you know. And, and every day Jenny was ringing up the real estate saying, oh, blah, 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 come and fix this, come and fix that. And they decided she was an annoying gnat. But we won't need to go there. Um, on the day that I met my Bella, uh, I had to take Jenny up to Rockhampton because she'd had a cesarean section. And so she had to go back for her checkup. And I had Bella in her capsule, having met my beautiful Bella for the first time. And I stepped out of the door and my foot went partially through one of the boards. But fortunately, I was resting on my other leg. And so I didn't over, over you know, over topple, didn't topple over. Um, so we went directly down to the real estate. And um, I can remember exactly what Jenny said. I waited in the car with uh, Kyle and Bella at that time. And because uh, Jenny came out, it was really, really funny. She came out and she said, well, I told them that some people might like this to happen to their mother-in-law, but I happen to like mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll never forget it, you know, never forget it. And I thought, oh, yay, that's lovely, lovely. Anyway, fast forward to... Uh, well, they, then there was a, uh, the, the landowner did get a some repairs done to the deck, but yeah, it, was it was done by a mate. Yeah, but anyway, that, we don't need to have that part. Yeah. But our part of the story is uh, really how God has um, provided in the most amazing ways through all of these times. Um, and fast forward seven weeks of age, and Ken and Kyle and I were off at the local church fate, having had a lovely morning, lovely morning. Midday, I get a call. <laughs> now, we'd got home and we're actually lying down prostrate because we were stuffed from the fate. <laughs> Trust me. That means it was a good fate. We were dagged. <laughs> um, anyway, we get a, got a call from Adam who was screaming down the phone and uh, uh, saying, I've killed her, I've killed her. And I said, what are you talking about, Adam? Like, it was so surreal. He said, Mum, and he described what happened, and I said, Adam, this is not your fault. This is a terrible, terrible accident. And, of course, then 
got off the phone, I told Ken what had happened. It was just, I, someone had to stay with Kyle, so Ken stayed with Kyle, and I drove, you know, the 20 minutes or 15, 12 minutes over to their place, five minutes, whatever, it seemed like half an hour, and arrived there, and, uh, and what had happened was that Adam had, was out, out on the deck, and he was talking to Jenny. The deck was three metres, it was a two-storey house. The deck was three metres above the ground level. And um, Jenny was looking at him through the window because he was out burping Bella high on his shoulder where she liked to be burped. And, uh, and he found another one of the rotten boards and um, he tapped it with his toe saying to Jenny at that time, look, here's another one of these boards, just be careful. And his foot went through it up to his ankle and he overbalanced and he lost hold of Bella and she fell three metres to the concrete below had massive head injuries, massive head injuries. The ambulance revived her and... Uh, three times. Three times, and they took her to the... Don't cry. <laughs> they took her to the uh, local hospital in Yapoon. But the, the head injuries were so massive that they took her, then transferred her to Rockhampton, and she died in transit. At which point... The, um, the ambulance was turned into a crime scene because, the because of the death of a child. But the police were incredibly compassionate towards us and allowed Adam and Jenny and all the family to go in and say goodbye to Bella. My brother at that time was the Uniting Church Minister in Yapoon. He was our minister, so uh, Ron was with us. Bella had never been baptised. So Ron did a posthumous, posthumous baptism and uh, it was incredibly movement, moving, of course, um, overwhelming. But we've got Jenny insisted on having photographs taken and there's a photograph of these two young people holding their dead child they were in the grottiest of clothes because they'd been out in the yard. But they're holding their beautiful child and this incredible aura of light was around them, enveloping them. And knew without a doubt, knew without a doubt it was the presence of God. Now that night, um, and you know, we had prayed, I had prayed with all my soul, my whole body, that she would be healed. That God would, you know, I had this grand plan that if God healed Bella, my older sister, who was an, a, an atheist and declared strongly against everything, about, everything against God, that she would come to know him. I had my plan that the whole world would realise that this is the God that heals, and, and he is. But this was not the healing for us. And so we had to, at the end of, at the end of that, uh, we spent six hours after all of that at the police station. Uh, Adam had to be breathalysed, he had to be drug tested, of course, all of that, and he understood that that was the case. 
I was interviewed at the time that they, because of my um, experiences, on and the at deck, that with the deck, with the deck, and at that time the police were raiding the offices of the real estate. La 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 la. Um, all of which meant we then had to go into coronial inquiry, but I don't need to go there. Um, what, what did happen that night was two things. Firstly, Adam and Jenny, were, we, we got them out of the house and they came and stayed with us uh, immediately. They could not go back to that house. And uh, Adam and Jenny, Adam told me later, Jenny, of course, was just... You know, I gave her hugs and she said, I must have been done terribly things. God must hate me. And I very quickly moved and said, no, Jenny, God loves you amazingly. Unfortunately, accidents, people's mistakes. Although in legal speak, we have to call it an incident. Incidents has happened. Because it was avoidable. But I, I moved to tell, to say to Jenny, very much so that she was incredibly loved by God and that he would be with her. Adam told me later on in that night, later in the night, they were sitting there together and Adam, Adam said he felt an incredible warmth. And he said, Jenny, do you feel that warmth? Can you feel the warmth in the room? And she said, yes, I can feel warmth. And he says, I'm sure it's God. I'm sure it's God. At that time, I was in my studio because none of us were sleeping and I prayed and I wrote and I cried and I prayed and I wrote and I painted and I prayed and I prayed and I wrote and I painted and, and I had an incredible image given to me of the nail-scarred hand of Jesus catching Bella as she fell and the voice of, voice of God saying to me, it's all right, Lynn. It's all right. I am taking this journey with you, for I have been there before. And so that gave me incredible assurance. It didn't take away the pain, and it will. And there is always still the scarring. But God filled that scarring with His amazing grace. I could never understand the business of. Uh, you know, uh, blessed are they who mourn. Because I always stop there. It's blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And they are comforted with the very presence of God. And there is nothing quite like the presence of God to, to enable. It doesn't mean you move away from sorrow but you are enabled to live with sorrow and you are enabled to be victorious too in sorrow. And that sorrow, the morning will turn, in, the ashes turn to whatever and the, and, joy and, the, and the morning into dancing. And that was certainly my experience. Uh, one of the things that God said to me, and it wasn't straight away, of course, I, wasn't, I couldn't dance for ages. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, but I, uh, do any of those things, but I had this secure anchoring in my faith 
that came about when I was obedient to God as well. God said to me uh, that night, uh, he said, you go down the street tomorrow, Lynn. I want you to go down the street. And when someone looks at you and you know that they know, because we were, we're very well-known family in Yapoon between me, the artist, Ken, the bugler on, and, and the... Yeah. And the and the and bugle music on Anzac Day, music theatre person. I'll, I'll Jenny, get back to that later. Jenny's mum is uh, was a, is a school teacher at one of the local schools. Russell, her, her stepdad, is a local real estate. Adams, a school teacher. So you know everyone knew, and it's only a small community, so everyone heard. So God said, "You go down, and when you see someone that uh, and you know that they know, and they turn away because they don't know what to say. Of course, what else do you do? You know." And I never thought about that before. How do you deal with how do you deal with someone else's grief? And 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 these people were in grief too. And God said, "You run up to them and you give them a hug." I said, "What, God? I'm the one hurting here. This was mine. You know, I'm the one who should be comforted." And uh, and then I realised that you know they that go out with in weeping with seeds to sow, will return with great sheaves of joy. And that's what God was asking me to do. Go out with my weeping, go out with my pain, and go and bless someone else and release them from, under, uh, from thinking that they had to avoid us. And so I'd run up to them and I'd give them a big hug and I'd say, yeah, it's okay, there's no words, because we want the channels to be open. And I didn't want Adam and Jenny to be isolated. And so God was so gracious, so gracious in allowing that to happen. And, and I thought, you know, and, and I said to him originally, I said, oh, look, God, jeez, there you go. Do, you, do I now have to actually put into legs what I understood, what, what faith is? You know, you know, do you expect me after my whole life of believing that you were real and that you were the God of love and the God of miracles, da, 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 and now I have to live it? What? <laughs> there But, you know, therein lay my healing. For me, I can talk of my journey in this, yeah. but yeah. therein lay my healing because it is in giving you receive. And it's a big lesson for all of us. And it's a hard lesson because it's the hardest one when you are so hurting inside to then go and minister to someone else. And we've seen it again and again and again in, in stories of people of great faith where they've been through such terrible things and yet they've blessed the world because of their faithfulness to God, understanding that he is the God of great beauty and he is the god of healing he is the god of healing but the healing doesn't always come in the way we understand it mm. <sighs> i'm glad you did that <laughs> <laughs> my nose is running yeah yes i was mine and my eyes as well um, can i say first off thank you very much for sharing that yeah. so, so the, the journey since then um has been a bit lumpy the the Coronial inquest was, um, shall we say, something that you wouldn't want to go through twice. Um, the coroner came up with, with a number of recommendations. I think any two or three of them 
do we need to go there? Hmm. No. No. All right. <laughs> um, although the laws are now are now finally being changed. Um, Directly as a result of Bella's death. Which, and they've got the Bella clause. Which is much better than being the object lesson of what you do wrong in real estate agent training. Yeah. yeah. Which is about as far as it got. Interestingly enough, after uh, about a month after Bella died, um, and, and the town of Yapoon, you know, there were so many people coming up to us and saying, how can we help? How can we help? And Jenny and Adam got incredible support. I mean, there were a few silly things, but um, in, on the whole, incredible support from their community. Um, the school, Adam's school was in, uh, in particular um, in supportive. Uh, they gave him the rest of the year off. Uh, they gave at full pay, at full pay. In lieu, sick, sick, sick. In lieu of sick leave forever. Yeah, sick leave in advance, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like they they sent, and Adam was esteemed greatly by the staff and the kids of St Brendan's, and uh, and St Brendan's uh, decided that they they thought, oh well, we'll take the whole school to the funeral. They paid for the funeral um, uh, and for the wake afterwards. Uh, but they decided, no, we shouldn't take all the kids there. We better... Um, I'm going to have to go. Yeah, you'll have to pick Kyle up. <laughs> um, we better just take a few from his form class. And uh, there was one... We heard, it from a, heard from a parent later on. There was one... Her son was sick in hospital with chronic asthma. And he said to his mum, he said, Mum, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to be there for Mr Deef. And uh, that was just amazing. And Adam gave every one of those kids a hug, you know, to support their grief as much as supporting his own. And about a month later on, we had, um, you know, the, all its business of what can we do to help? And so we had a um, Bella appeal, which was to raise money for infant care at Yapoon Base Hospital because there no, was no infant care um, stuff there. And, well, there um, was, but not, not a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna not a lot. Go. Ken has to go and get Kyle. <laughs> he may. Well, I have to pull myself together first. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, Thank you, Ken. And so, so we had this um, Bella appeal, and uh, uh, which was uh, all the music groups, all the choral groups, all the local musicians, the dance groups, da da da, all donated. You know, they all came and were part of this big, um, big. What's Ken dancing around for? Oh, it's raining. <laughs> and, uh, and so everyone in the community, uh, both of Rockhampton and Yapoon, were involved in this fundraiser. And then we had a great big auction. I did a painting um, of, I, I, it was a floral, but it had uh, a tulip with raindrops, teardrops, basically, all down it. And I called it Healing Rain, R-E-I-G-N. And... Uh, and, and so between that, and there were so many businesses that donated things uh, to, for the fundraising, that within two hours we had raised $18,000, uh, which then uh, went to the hospital to buy, I can't remember the name of the, um, the particular machine, it was very expensive, there were two machines that uh, were there for helping um, expectant mothers to go there first to see if they really needed to get to Rocky quick, you know, because there's no birthing rooms here in Yapoon. Um, and so that plaque has a... that um, Sorry, that piece of equipment has a plaque on it uh, in loving memory of uh, Isabella Wren Diefenbach. 
Um, there's also been changes made in the laws of the termite industry because it was because of termite activity that, that Adam actually went through the, the floor. That's directly as a result of Bella. There's ter um, a building industry has, um, has, is getting code, has different um, changes in things as a direct result of Bella. And so now is the real, the real estate industry is too in Queensland um, as a direct result. So Bella in many ways has um, changed the world in more ways than any of us can in a whole lifetime. Um, so, you know, uh, I, can, I can solemnly declare that God is good. God is good and he is good all the time. Um, regardless, and he walks with us through the waters. Uh, and, uh, you know, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't... Uh, he doesn't say, oh, go and learn your lesson. He's walking us with us there. Um, somewhere in one of, the, one of the Old Testament Psalms, I think it was in, in Isaiah somewhere or other, I'm, I'm really bad at remembering um, where things are found. Uh, <laughs> Me too. But I remember the, the scripture. And then it says, for I will bring you back from that awful place that I've taken you to, you know, and I have walked with you through it, but I will bring you back from that awful place. And that's another word there, but it's basically awful place. Um, and you can trust God's heart, even though you can't trace his hand. Uh, when um, along came, along came a year later, Noah, second miracle, second miracle. Um, and uh, the scripture came to me, and I don't know whether anyone else, but to me, um, for I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans to prosper, not to harm. I think, yeah, really? <laughs> and, I, and I looked around the corner at God for quite some time, thinking, what are you going to do now? You know, plans to prosper, not to harm. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I thought, they're going to have a son. And along came Noah. And uh, Noah arrived um, amidst much rejoicing. Now, whilst he doesn't take away the pain of Bala, he changed the focus. Mm. And, uh, and so we were able to dwell on that joy. And the joy helped to heal um, and, uh, and, and ease the pain from the, uh, the previous loss. As far as my faith at that stage, I can remember standing at the crossroads of faith and I looked to the left, away from God, and I saw darkness and despair and bitterness. And I thought, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be in the dark. And I looked to the right and I saw God's light and I saw healing and I saw joy a restoration of joy, that joy really never left, but it couldn't be expressed verbally at that time of grief. Yeah. Um, and I saw, I saw good things in God. And so I decided there and then that's where I, was going to do, where I was going to go. And I was going to tell my story wherever I went, through my painting, through my words. And, and I praise God that he has changed us and moulded us a little bit more into more of his character. So, there. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. 
again, thank you for yeah. sharing with us. It's my great privilege, my great privilege. Mm. And I think, you know, that's the thing. We've all got stories to tell. Um, it may not be as dramatic as that, but the stories of, of how God has worked in us and the stories of who we are. Um, one, of, one of the things, I have a great friend who's a um, Christian Jew over in Alaska, a lady called Ruth Ann Crosby. And Ruth Ann has travelled some amazing places in her life. Terrible, terrible places. Ugh. And yet she's, she's just this, like, shiny thing. You know, she's so shiny for Christ. And, and you, when you meet people, like that's my description, when I meet people who spend their time with God, you can see how shiny they are. Yeah. You know, you can see like God yeah, just exactly. beaming out of them and I call them shiny people. And, and Ruth, Ruth Ann's one of these shiny people and she's, um, she, uh, having, having, being a Jew... Um, she is a, uh, she can speak ancient Hebrew and she can read ancient Hebrew and she's known as the other, other rabbi in Alaska and, uh, because she can do all those things. And a lot of the big, uh, a lot of the big wig preachers, you know, um, actually come to her, ring her up and say, what does this actually mean? Um, because she knows the original meaning. And uh, one of the things, you know, when God says, tells us or, or whoever tells us, Jesus tells us to go, Go and make fishes of men and Allah. Go, go. And in, he, in ancient Hebrew, go is go and be what I made you to be. Mm. Doesn't that make a difference? Mm. Go and be what I made you to be. God made me to be an artist. So yeah. I'm going to go and be an artist. God yeah. made be, you to be... I don't know. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, God, yeah. but God made you to be who you are. Yeah. And do not fight against it and try and be someone or something you are not. Let God work through you in being who you are and what you were made to be. Even yeah. just, just, inverted commas, a mother, a parent, a, a cleaner. Yeah. You know, God can be such a, use you in such a powerful way because you are being who you were made to be. And yeah. that, to me, is revolutionary. Yep. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a powerful message that I think is what this podcast represents for the people listening. Like, mm. despite circumstance, despite what's going on, go and be what God has made you to be. Yeah. Um, and I actually don't. I don't. I don't know about you, Shush, but I don't, I don't think we really need to unpack anything. I think we kind of leave it yeah. there. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. Lynn's done such a phenomenal job. Um, yes. And yeah, I can't say enough. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable with us and sharing mm. that story. Um, I just want to quickly say um, that I have learned so much from you in such a short time. Uh, you mentioned shiny people. Uh, you're a shiny person. Yes, um, yes, like, yes, like yes. maybe the king of shiny people. Yes. I'm like, I've never, uh, yeah, you shine. And um, yep. there was a few, I just kept taking like little sentence notes that you said. Um, but the thing that really stood out to me, and I'm going to keep this really brief, is um, like being able to bless the world due to your faithfulness in God. Mm. And um, that's just all I heard through that that story and 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 everything even before that you're talking about your art like you're now in the position to share that story you're now in the position because 
you you're you're being faithful to God. Um, so I just want to honour you uh, for being yes. a shiny person um, <laughs> in the middle of darkness. And um, yeah, I, I, your story's super impactful, and I have been blessed and challenged through it um, myself. So thank you so much. Look, uh, that, that's that's you. my absolute privilege, um, and it is like. It's such a privilege. Uh, that's not even a word that's big enough, is it? To <laughs> like to to under to a privilege to be God's kid, God's child, hmm. God's person to do to be be what we were made to be. And l- let me say too, there's an urgency, everyone hmm. out there. There's an urgency to be who you were made to be, and yeah. to bless other oh. and to bless our community. To bless our community because our community is in such need. You know, people yeah. are people are, are, are frightened. They're um, uh, they they're scared. They're they're angry. They're you know they've lost hope. But where is our hope? And if we truly believe that our hope is in Christ, and I can remember talking to my brother once, um, uh, my Uniting Church minister brother, who went up to um, up to Weeper, and uh, he was a chaplain to all of the top end. He went there as a frontier services chaplain. And, uh, and I said to him, and he was talking about, uh, in that case, uh, uh, some of the remote communities and, uh, and the difficulties that were happening there. And I said to him, well, what's the answer, Ron? He said, God. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it true? God. Yes. And, if we, yes. and, if we, and if we, as followers of Christ, those who acknowledge Christ and those who go to church and love going to church, <laughs> and even the ones that just go there because they go there because they go there, um, uh, we all need to encounter Christ in such, in, in, in a deep and meaningful way, in a way that we understand that he is the answer. And if we believe mm. that, then we can't be silent. Mm. We can't be silent. It doesn't have to. We don't have to be great preachers. We can just tell our stories. No one else has your story. Yeah. And everyone needs to hear it. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Oh, Lynn, we should just give you a microphone forever and you can just like <laughs> speak <laughs> no, truth no, no. to us always. <laughs> but I want to honour you as well. You and Ken, you... You are incredible, the yeah. two of you. I am so grateful for this time we've had together and, and getting to, well, just getting to hear from you more than anything. I don't <laughs> think we did much speaking and I think that was the best thing. Yeah. Um, but you say shiny. In my life, I often say people ooze Jesus, but I think shiny is <laughs> a much nicer word than <laughs> yeah. ooze. So I think I'll take your <laughs> language on. But you really do your... Um, your relationship with Jesus is just so evident and your love for him is, just comes across so, like from the moment we started talking, I was like, oh yeah, I see Jesus in you 100%. <laughs> and, and I just think it's beautiful and I just want to bless you. I want to honor you, both of you. And I just yeah. pray God's anointing on your ministry and that he would just like let it go because then not only is your story incredible and are you sharing that, which is just wonderful, but then you're using that through your art to to reach others as you're saying you're using your gifting your calling and your story to then impact others and that it's just wonderful it's beautiful and I just want to thank you and honor you and bless you in Jesus name thank you that's the best blessing ever